All right. So can you tell us kind of what we can expect today? And I'll go long. That's, That's for sure. Story. Yeah. 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 Be guaranteed. Too. Yeah. 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 Just kidding. Stay seated. They're like, I have to get, I have to get Mother's yeah. Day shopping. Right. So got to go. No. Okay. Tell us what we can expect. Well, so, so the reason we wanted to do this for the past seven weeks, starting with our Outlaws series and then Easter, and we've been giving evidence for why there is a reasonable faith. In other words, you don't have to cut off your head to believe in Jesus and what the Bible claims. And I think we've given a lot of really good evidence for that because some people, you know, they, they think that. In fact, um, we were going to call this series, Is Christians Dumb? Camille wouldn't let me call it that. She was I, like, that's not going to go well on the sign out exactly. there. It's not a great sign. I thought sign. it was funny. Yeah. Is Christians dumb? <laughs> Don't you think? I think it's I'm glad. Okay, you, you were like right. Four yeah, you're yeah. right. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> Star Trek humor, kind of. Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyway, um, but, but here's the thing uh, that, that's important is that uh, I'm going to be giving answers to your questions, but not all answers are created equal. Meaning, like, I don't know everything. I'm not God. Uh, so really, you should think about this instead of a question and answer, more like a question and response. I'm, as your pastor, going to give the best response I can. I've wrestled with a lot of this stuff over 30 years, um, but some of my answers may not be that great, and you may disagree, and, and, and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you what, wrestling with what the Bible says uh, and, you know, what I know about life and all, the best answer I can give. Um, but the second thing that's important to realize is not all questions are created equal either. So, like, I still have lots of questions, right? I haven't answered all my questions, but that's actually okay when it comes to matters of faith uh, because there are different types of questions. There are first order, second order, and third order questions. Let me explain. So picture it like a bullseye, right? The center of the bullseye are those first order questions. When it comes to faith, you know, they're, they're, they're questions that pretty much all Christians have agreed on for centuries, for millennia, right? Like, is Jesus the son of God? If you don't believe that, you can call yourself lots of things. I just wouldn't call yourself a Christ follower, right? Um, you know, did he die on the cross to pay for our sins? You know, is the Holy Spirit given to walk with us through life? What do you believe about the Bible, that it's God's word and has authority? Um, those kind are kind of those central core first order questions and answers. But then there's second order questions and answers. And these are, these are questions that Christians who believe the Bible is from God and have authority differ on. Now, the thing about the second order questions is they're practical. In other words, you got to make a decision and live some way. So as Christians, we might differ, but it's going to affect things. Like, I'll give you one example, like... Um, are, are, are the gifts of the Spirit all in operation today? Like, are there, are there supernatural gifts? And some Christians say yes, and some say no. Now, does it mean that one group is not really right with God and the other is? No. No, because it's not a core thing of faith uh, in, in Christ and, and, and the core beliefs. It's, they're not unimportant, and we ought to wrestle with them, but we ought to be able to wrestle and differ even and stay centered on the things that are most important. Let us be unified there. So that's secondary, second order questions. Third order questions are those that um, Christians have differed on, and, and, and all these, you can find biblical evidence for them, but they don't pra practically matter. Like, 
as an example, uh, did God create through the process of evolution or creation by divine fiat? Um, now, you may think that's a really important question, and it is an important question. But what's interesting is we tend to divide over those questions rather than the core ones, when, when really we should be able to wrestle with it. Because the truth is, we don't know what God did way back when, and we never will 100%. We have evidence, and we can wrestle with the evidence, but the answer to it doesn't really make that much practical difference either. So that's why it would be a third order question. So I, I guess the last thing is just to remember, um, especially if you're still exploring faith, be careful not to take an answer to a second or third order question, and because you don't like it, reject all the evidence for the first order issues. That's a really important thing. And, and I think for, for Christians too, you know, to not make third order or even second order questions, those over which we're willing to fight to the death and divide, uh, because, you know, there are people who believe the Bible that differ and disagree. Um, so we ought to be able to wrestle with it to try to come to the truth. Because only, you know, the truth has nothing to fear because God is in the truth. But none of us have 100% of it, right? He's revealed enough of it that we can know him and have relationship with him. But there are a lot of things that none of us will uh, know 100% of because we're not God. Awesome. Good okay. That's a good start. start. That's Let's a great go. start. I think he set us up for some success. So that's great. One thing we want to tell you is that we have gotten over 200 questions. So thank you all so much for participating. Even now I see them coming in on my computer here. So that's exciting. Just know that of course we have limited time. So we're going to do our very best. But I think it's important to note the more of you that are asking the same question back in the booth and Camille, we're looking at that and we'll try to Focus yeah, on we'll say like 20 people just asked yeah, this, so yeah, probably yeah. we really want to know that. Yeah. Yeah, unless awesome. I don't like the question. Unless you don't like the question, and then I'll pretend <laughs> to skip it, but it'll revisit us later. No, okay. she asks. <laughs> yeah. It's awkward. Yes. Awesome. Okay, well, let's just jump in. We got several questions about the Bible and how uh, we can know that the Bible is God's word and that it's true. We got several questions about uh, the writers and authors of the Bible. Do we know that they're authentic? Someone asked, like, maybe they were on some drugs, some ayahuasca or something. That's a real question. And hashtag my real question. It's okay. They're all valid. <laughs> so we want to know about that. And then we also just kind of want to know, like, do we take it literally? So is it real? How can we know it's real? And is it to be taken literally? Yeah, I saw an earlier question about, yeah, well, how do you take it? What does it mean? Yeah. 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 Okay, that's good. So I, I do think this is really important. It was really important to me in my faith journey when I was moving from a career in engineering to ministry, I realized, yeah, I mean, we're basically taking what is written in this book, right? So I better make sure it's true, and how do you know? And actually, and, and if you weren't here during the Outlaws series, I think I gave a lot of good reasons. So go back and, and listen to that. But a couple of things I didn't mention is, um, you know, the Bible is unique in composition like no other book. People think it's a book. It's not a book, it's 66 different books actually written over 1,500 years in three languages on three continents by over 40 authors, and yet it has this common theme of the character of God and the will of God, which is pretty incredible if you think about it. To bring 66 books over 1,500 years together and have them agree on much of anything would be tough, right? Um, the Bible is also incredibly accurate in transmission. You know, you've heard people say, oh, it's been copied and changed so many times, you can't trust it. Well, actually, that's not true. 
uh, I mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found uh, th copies of 38 of the 39 books of the Old Testament, or fragments of them, many of them predating Jesus. So we're like talking 2,000 years of transmission. And a great example is a complete copy of the book of Isaiah dating from 250 BC that is almost exactly our book of Isaiah today, 2,000 years later. So there's 5% 5, 5 copy error in it. And none of those er errors, like if you misspell a word, that's counted. You know, if, a, if two words are switched, that's counted. None of them change the meaning in 2,000 years. So, and, and if you take the New Testament, like there are 24,000 uh, copies of the original New Testament documents that we have in history to put back together what the original said. The second best attested in all history is Homer's Iliad with like 680 copies from which to put it back together. So if we don't know what the New Testament originally said, we don't know what any, any document of ancient history originally said. So it's, it's, it's transmission is incredible, uh, but also its claims are unique. You know, the Old Testament prophets claimed that God was actually speaking to them and through them. So like 500 times it says, the Lord said this. And by the way, I showed in the Outlaw series, the last series we did, that uh, God said, here's how you'll know I'm real and it's really me. I'm the only one outside of time that can tell you what's going to happen in time. And that was a test of a prophet, whether they really could foretell and know what was going to happen in, in history. And I showed you in that Outlaw series how much of history, the what, when, where, and why of Jesus was foretold. And we have proof it was foretold beforehand. And, and God foretold whole nations, histories. And what would happen even in our generation in 1948? That absolutely, to me, I like, I've never heard anyone like explain to me why that isn't like incredible evidence that God is real. Um, and so all that, and then looking at what Jesus said. Jesus in, in Matthew 5 and other places, 5.17, I think through 20, he says of the old, whole Old Testament, the law and the prophets, he says, you know, not one jot or tittle, meaning not one dot of the I or crossing the T will pass away until all of it's fulfilled. He affirmed that it's all from God and he said he was the fulfillment of all of it. And then he tells his disciples, when I'm gone, the Holy Spirit will remind you of all that I've taught and the books of the New Testament are all about Jesus, the fulfillment of, you know, all these years of the prophets foretelling God intersecting humanity in the form we could relate to, because we can't even comprehend an infinite God, right? So that we can have a relationship with him. That's God's motive. And that's the thing to keep in mind through the whole thing, is that God claims he's revealed through the scriptures and through Jesus, his character, his heart, his love for every human, and his his value in of every human at the highest price a human could pay. And that's what we celebrated at Easter, what Jesus did on the cross. Awesome. And I could say more, but I... I bet you I was, could. I was long-winded last service, so yes. I'll try to... Okay, we're watching the clock this time. So right. we'll get, I, I asked for a buzzer. They wouldn't give it to, <laughs> I can't imagine why they didn't want me to have that. Awesome. Okay, well, that's a good start for us. We're getting... A, well, we've gotten a lot of questions about pain and suffering, and we're getting more right now. So we want to jump into that question. Why does God allow pain? And this is a little bit twofold. Why is there suffering and evil in the world? I'll give you some examples. People are, people are giving examples from their personal lives, like I've just had a tough run of it, my family doesn't love me, to why are, uh, why are newborn babies dying, to why did I lose so many brothers in Iraq? 
So brothers and sisters in Iraq. So um, evil, why is there evil pain and suffering in our world? Why does God allow that? That's what a uh, specific question. Yeah, and, and, and honestly, this is the toughest question when you're feeling it. Um, I figured you'd want it early. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the toughest it's the toughest if you are feeling loss yeah. and pain. Yeah. And, um, and that's, that's where my faith started. So as I'm coming to faith, my dad's dying of cancer. Mm. And uh, I, I, I kept praying for God to heal him, believing he could in this new faith, and he didn't. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the number one reason that people reject God is not because there aren't good evidential reasons or intellectual reasons. It's because they're hurt. And I get it, because I remember just cussing God out. I was like, if this is the way you treat me, forget it. And um, I, I, I started down that road, and then I realized, well, but I've already been down this road. Like, I'd already lived without God. And I started thinking about if all there is, you know, there is pain and suffering, period. And if that's all there is, and there is no God, and his promise is to make something good out of it, like that he's going to redeem this and make something good out of it for eternity. If that's not true, then all we get is pain and suffering and then you die. You know, life sucks and then you die. And I, just thinking about it, I realized, now that doesn't make any sense either. Like why would we complain so much if there is no God and there's just pain and suffering? Because there is pain and suffering, we shouldn't even be complaining about it unless there's something God's intuitively put in us that says, no, you were made for more. You know, C.S. Lewis has a brilliant quote that says, if, if there's something that I desire that nothing in this world can make sense of or fulfill, that must mean I was made for another world. I think that's very important oh, to that. realize, yeah. And, and so, I, what I came to in... in um, my own wrestling with this is that it sounds weird, but love is what makes sense of the pain and suffering of this world. That God's motive truly was love, to create free, you know, free-willed creatures who could choose to love God. Now, the difficulty of that is you can't force love, right? I mean, you can't use power. I can't put a gun, you know, to Kathy's head if she didn't love me and force her to love me. She can parrot love, but it wouldn't be love. And I can't even buy her love. I, I could give her gifts and shower things on her, but how would I know she really loves me and not just the things I do for her? And God has the same limitations. Well, he's, he's created a world where he self-limits by creating free will creatures who can choose to love him, but that mm -hmm. means we can choose to go against his will in ways, not trust him and not love him. And, and so as a result, that's where we live. We start in the knowledge of good and evil right? In, in the Garden of Eden was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, you know, we chose to know both. Now, another question, did God know? I think he did. Um, but I think that doesn't preclude us having free will. Yeah. And so, so in that, we live then for a short amount of time experiencing, and, and after studying a thousand near-death experiences and a lot about heaven and the life to come, I'm convinced that this earth is like one one thousandth, far, far less than that, of the good things that are ahead in eternity, mm -hmm. and one one thousandth of the horrible things that could be possible wow. in eternity. And so God has given us this time capsule 
It's like Romans, Romans 8 says it's a birth canal into eternal life. That we're, we're groaning in the pains of being born. God is birthing eternally free-willed loving creatures who will choose to love him forever because we've experienced both a taste of heaven and a taste of hell. We've experienced both the pain and suffering and we've experienced the good gifts of God and we choose God's will. We choose to follow him so that we will forever do that. Okay. Did that make sense? It made I a lot of, of sense. Actually, you painted some really illuminating pictures for uh, how heaven and hell will be compared to where we are now. So I think that's great. You did a great job. All right. So you mentioned the afterlife. You mentioned heaven and hell. And of course, we got a lot of questions about heaven because apparently people think you're some sort of expert on heaven. Very strange. <laughs> yeah. So we got several questions. Uh, I'll just shoot some at you because I think some of them might be really quick. So people want to know, is my dog going to be in heaven when I get there? Skip just died or something like this, right? We want to know if we have yes. free... Yes. Yes. Okay, that's it. That's the, that's the answer. You got it. Yes, Johnson. Well, so, well real quick, some people okay, say... Okay, 30 seconds. Some people say, well, you know, animals don't have souls. I, I don't see that in the Bible or they won't be in heaven uh, but we know from the Bible that there's a lion and a lamb. They lie down together. Jesus is riding a horse. There's an eagle flying. There's, so I don't know where people get that. And God gave pets, I think, to teach our kids especially how to love. So why would he take that away from us, what we love most, when love is what it's all about? I don't... That's great. Yeah, okay, go on. And then do, we, do you think we'll have free will in heaven? Oh, free will. Yeah, that's a great one. So that kind of ties back to the thing I was going on before. Yeah. So I don't know if this is true. This is my theory from studying the scriptures and, you know, like what I have written on heaven. I have come to believe that, you know, earth is necessary, like I said, to birth eternally free willed creatures. Um, so the answer is yes. And the reason is because otherwise you can't love. Mm. But see, here's the thing. It's like, God, you know, so the, 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 the natural question I get is like, well, why couldn't God just create free will creatures who would love him and not have to go through all the pain of suffering and sin and, you know, all of that? Um, and I don't know that it's possible. Well, we because up. God did create eternally free creatures. They were called angels. Mm. They're another species, yeah. you know? Uh, they're a species, but they're eternal in nature. Now, I think we are eternal in nature as well living temporarily in this time capsule called Earth, in, in a finite world of three dimensions of space and one dimension of time. And that God's doing it for a reason. He's remaining somewhat hidden, but not uninvolved. And we are experiencing a taste of heaven and a taste of hell because this is a time of choosing. And God gives us grace. He gives us mercy. He gives us a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth chance all the way to the end to choose him. Because the only thing that can keep us separated from God is our, our free will, our pride. That says, no, I want to be God. I, I, want, I want it all to go to, according to my way and will. Um, but I got lost. Where, what was the question? Is there free will? Will we have free will in heaven? And you answered it right away, which is great. You said, yes, I think you have to because that's the only way you can love. You okay. nailed it. All right. Listen. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. As I bet you could have guessed, we got a ton, a ton, a ton of questions about sex. So they run the gamut here, but I'll just give you a few examples of, of sex and sexuality. So uh, can I date 
someone who has been divorced. Can I date if I am divorced? Um, is uh, can I? Is sex, how do we know sex out of marriage, outside of marriage, is a sin? And what does the Bible say about homosexuality? And what does Gateway say? Wow. Okay. I just it's just a short qu- and so thirty seconds. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Just joking. Well, that's a great point. Is I would say we did a whole six-week series, I think, called God Heart Sex. And so you're going to get a three-minute, four-minute version of that. Go listen to that because, you know, it's six weeks of of, uh, trying to talk it through. But I I think a a couple things I would say, um, well, first, let me say the the divorce stuff because that's kind of separate, is that we've done messages on that. uh, And I think it's really important to understand God's heart in that as well. So I would encourage you to go, go listen to those messages um, uh, on it. And you can search on Gateway's archives uh, and listen to them. But on the whole sex and sexuality uh, question, I think it's really important for us to even understand why so many questions, we have so many questions on that. Um, yes, it is a strong desire. No, no doubt about it. But I also think Uh, we have to remember the society we live in. We are such a sexualized society. I I mean, think about it this way. If an alien were to come to earth and just watch our movies and our TV and our internet talk and try to distinguish what gods do we worship, what do you think it would be that we value most, that we put first? Sex. Yeah, it'd be sex. And, and, and to realize that we've kind of made a God, or we've kind of deified sex is really important. Um, because I'm convinced everything God is, is trying to say to us through the scriptures is out of love. That God really loves us. And anytime he prohibits anything, it's not to, you know, take away our fun or to... Uh, hurt us or harm us or punish us, it's because he wants to protect us from something he knows might harm us or provide something better. And I think that's a really important thing to realize. You know, it's kind of like fire. Fire is great contained in the right context, you know. It can bring light. It can bring warmth. You can cook food with it. But fire uncontained can destroy your house, burn down your house, destroy your life. And I think sex and sexuality is kind of like that. And, and so this is one of those areas where we struggle to trust God because he does talk about that he created sex, you know, that the, the Bible talks about how he created sex for a context in a monogamous, committed, loving marriage between uh, a man and a woman for a lifetime. That's, that's what it seems to say is his will. Now, we get people all the time here at Gateway coming to our pre-marriage class. Uh, in fact, I'd probably say 18 out of 20 couples who have not done that uh, and not live that way. What do we do? Well, first of all, whether you're heterosexual or, or, you're, or homosexual or LGBT or whatever, um, here's what we've come to believe. You know, in 1 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul, the apostle says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So the one who plants and the one who waters is nothing. Only God is who makes things grow. But we're his co-workers. I think that's really important because it's saying that only God can change me. Only God can change you. Only God can grow me. Only God can grow you. 
I can't, I can't change you, you can't change me. In fact, I can't even change myself. <laughs> I need God's help. And so that's how we approach everything, really, yeah. is, is we try to help people see what, what God has said in the scripture. But more importantly, you know, God is not actually after, his first priority is not actually your relative morality. You ever thought about that? Like God's first priority is not that you do all the right things and stop doing the wrong things. Hmm. Because if that were his priority, he's God. Yeah. Don't you think he could just make you do the right thing? Yeah. Make you obey? Make you his slave? So he does. And that tells us something. God's first priority is love. He wants your heart, which means he wants you to start to trust him more and more and more. And here's the thing that I've seen, heterosexual, homosexual, it doesn't matter, whatever, whatever you deal with, anything, I'm telling you, you start to seek God and trust him and what he says more and more. And you'll find him leading you in ways, and I've, I've, I could tell you a story after story, where you get to a place where you're like, I would have never thought I would go here, but God's led me here, not against my will, with my will, and it's better than I would have expected. Mm -hmm. And I have gay friends, I have transgender friends, I have, uh, you know, uh, heterosexual people who have lived together before they were married and all that, and I've seen God lead all in a way that they turned around and said, I don't know how he got me here, but I'm glad. So that would be my, yeah. and go listen to that series if you don't like that answer. <laughs> Perfect. Because there's more. There's and and the other thing I would say is this. You know, a big mistake that I think people make is if we don't like one thing, and you know, I mean, I'm telling you this, but you can go see what the Bible says uh, and, and learn for yourself. Don't take my word at it. But if we don't like something the Bible says, we'll reject all those first order issues. Like, is there reason to believe this is really from God? Is there reason to believe Jesus really revealed God? If he did really reveal God, have I studied the life and heart of Jesus to know what God's really like? Because we, we get this one thing over here that we don't like, and we end up projecting all these lies on God about God. And I would just encourage you not to do that. That's great. Okay. That's heavy. Let me, let's, let's just uh, throw in, in something that, but you'll have to do a science one. Yes. It's going to be a fun one because we got, <laughs> we didn't do those last we time. Got, I know we didn't have time last time. We got a lot of questions that just seem to come from the sci-fi channel. I, that's the only way I can explain it. We want to know about aliens. We want to know about some dinosaurs. What does God say about that? Those weren't the science questions I was thinking. Okay. What, if a good old evolution versus creation. Triple beam balance or... breaks. Who should I blame? What? No, that's not what it says. That's not what it says. But we All got right, a lot quickly. of questions about Neanderthals, about dinosaurs. Where do they fit in? And then also, are we alone? Are there aliens on other planets? So a lot of things okay. where people just want to know, do the, does the Bible address these things? Okay. All right. So, just, so I'll rephrase it if he doesn't like it. No. I'll, okay. I'll start with this. So this, this would be... I think there are a lot of questions. I think these would be mostly third order questions. Yes. Meaning Christians who believe the Bible can wrestle and, and argue and differ, but still unify around what it means to follow Christ. That's great. And I think that's really important to remember. 
Because there are different positions, like when you come, it comes to creation versus evolution, yeah. that kind of thing. Um, there are Christians who believe in theistic evolution. You know, they, they look at passages in Genesis that talk about how out of the dust of the earth, God made humanity. Um, and, and they have other passages of, you know, it's kind of like uh, natural processes that he used. Uh, and so they have arguments for that. Uh, others would be um, old earth uh, creation, meaning that God created, but over millions of years, and, and the word in the Bible, yom, for day, you know, can either, in, in Genesis 1, it might seem to mean a 24 literal hour day, but in Genesis 2, yom clearly means a day like in uh, a long expanse of time. So just like we say, in the day of Jesus. Well, that wasn't one day. That was years, right? Uh, the Bible uses that word day. So it can mean long periods of time. In fact, God is still in the seventh day. So that's a long 24-hour yeah. period because he's still resting yeah. in the seventh day. That anyway, feels like our you can tell what, I kind of hold this one. Yeah. Um, but that's, so that is uh, old earth, but that God created in successive periods. Um, interestingly, uh, even even uh, Stephen Jay Gould, who was a leading evolutionary biologist, paleontologist, uh, talks about how um, the fossil record, and many people don't realize this, you know, they think of evolution has been proven by science and evolution meaning like this gradual uh, evolving one species to the next. Um, but, but that was not what was found in the fossil record. What was found in the fossil record and Stephen Jay Gould even talks about, it. he calls it punctuated equilibrium. And he talks about how there were long periods of equilibrium, no new species, and then all of a sudden, a punctuated burst of evolution where there are all these new species, then a lot of stasis, you'd call it, and then a punctuated burst of evolution, or you could call it creation. I mean, either way, right? So it's, in, it's interesting. Science keeps changing. Um, and, and so... It's, it's a wrestling match. You know, yeah. So the third thing that uh, Christians believe, some Christians believe in a young earth. So they take the 24 hours uh, of creation as literal, so six yeah. days, so the earth's like 10,000 years old. And then they have to say things like um, God created with evidence or with the... the Earth looking old. Uh, earth looking old yeah. or all the fossils were laid down in, uh, in a great flood. And so they have reasons. And... and all these, uh, you can find, you could find some biblical reasons, some geologic reasons. Um, so personally, I'm the one in the middle, but we can differ. Uh, and, and we have people even on our staff who differ with this sure. one. So. Yeah, great. Okay. Oh, wait, I didn't say the dinosaurs. Do you want to do that? You talked about it a little bit, yeah, that we can differ there. And well, then. dinosaurs, uh, it, it, it kind of depends. I mean, I, I think dinosaurs existed. <laughs> You know, and, and so the question I think many times is, well, if death, it says, it says in Romans 5, 12, you know, that Adam sinned and death came through that sin. So if death came through that sin, how did the dinosaurs, they were clearly carnivores, so how does that work? Yeah. Well, death means separation, right? So when you die, my, my spirit, my soul is separated from my body, right? So uh, that's physical death. But remember, God said to, to the first people, to Adam and Eve, 
you know, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why? Well, because they already knew good. They just didn't know evil, but they didn't realize that. So they, they choose against God. And he says, in that day, you'll surely die. But they didn't physically die. But they did spiritually die. So they were separated from the very source of life and love and light. And that's God. And so that is what I think. So I think that caused human spiritual death. Yeah. Um, but I think there was... There were carnivores before. Yeah. Okay. And aliens? I don't know. Okay, good. Okay. I was just going to let you skip it because I could feel that he was like, I yeah. didn't watch enough Jetsons. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got a lot of questions also. So this is probably maybe our, I'm going to say, it should be our last question, but we'll say, we'll take a question and a half Ooh, more. Yes. Try to go quick. Yes. Very quick. So we got a lot of questions about making sense of other religions. So people want to know, is Jesus really the only way? And is my friend that maybe is, uh, believes in God, but is practicing another religion, are they going to hell? Are, are they able to still go to heaven? <laughs> okay. In three minutes or less. Less. Uh, less. So we can get our half. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. That's a tough one. Uh, and I've done a whole message series yes. on this too. But okay. So quickly. So if you study the religions of the world, the religious texts of the world, they do all agree on basic morality. C.S. Lewis, a literary scholar from Oxford, shows it's amazing how the religions of the world agree on fundamental right versus wrong. Now, the question is, what does that tell us? Um, because we've all basically known right from wrong for all, you know, across the globe for all uh, millennia, and yet we do wrong consistently, right? Nobody, and nobody even keeps their own moral code. I mean, who, is, who has never said, I'll never, but you, you broke your own moral code? <laughs> And, and so the question is, well, if there's a God, what does God do with that? And the religions don't all agree on who is God and what does he do about the human condition. Only Jesus claims to have actually, to be God revealed in actual time and space. And that, that's, a, that's a critical, because, you know, we have lots of mythologies, lots of stories, and they have truths, they do. They, they contain truths that can be beneficial. Um, but even uh, Mortimer Adler, who he, he wrote a brilliant book that I read years ago. Mortimer Adler is a philosopher called, and he was uh, an agnostic. But in his latter years of life, he said, he wrote a book called, Is There Truth in Religion? And he set out to study the world's religions and say, can you even find verifiable truth? And what he came to is he said only three of the, the sacred texts of the world's religions even claim that God actually has intersected real time and space, not mythology, but real time and space that could be verified in any kind of way to reveal himself. And he says that's the Jewish faith, that's the Old Testament, uh, Christian faith, that's the New Testament, and Islam, which came 600 years after uh, Jesus and claimed to be a redaction, basically a correction of the Old and New Testament. And they all talk about, all three of them talk about Jesus as the Messiah. So that's the place to start. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and then, okay, so what about Jesus? So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now that, and, and then in the Bible, it also talks about there's been, you know, there's been no other, uh, there's no other um, name under heaven by which you must be saved except the name of Jesus. Now, why would that be? Well, because we all have this problem. All have sinned. All have fallen short of God's ideal. And yet God 
claims that he loved every single person from every religious background so much that he would take on our suffering, take on our sin, take on our wrongs, and value us at the highest possible price and pay for our debts so that he could remove every barrier between us and God except one, your pride. He won't force your will. So if we aren't willing to say, okay, I have, I have violated my own moral standard, surely I've violated God's moral standard, I need your forgiveness, God. And, and, and that's the one sin is we all tend to play God rather than let God be God. And so if we're willing to just turn our hearts back to him, God has provided a way that we can be right with him wherever we are in the world by a simple heart turning back. And I think that's important to know because the Bible doesn't tell us what, how God will judge someone who's never heard about Jesus. We don't really know that. What we do know is God looks at the heart and will be just. Chronicles tells us God's eyes search the whole earth looking for hearts that are completely committed to him. Second, you know, uh, I believe what C.S. Lewis says that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. Meaning God doesn't send anybody to hell. The only reason anybody would ever be in hell is because they didn't want God in their lives. And there's only one place where God will not rule for eternity. He created it so that people and angels could have their free for all for eternity. But that's, I mean, we've seen that little taste of it on earth. You don't want that. And, and so there are people that the Bible tells us will be in heaven who never heard the name of Jesus. Abraham, Moses, Rahab, the prostitute, all these people of old Testament who had faith in the light God revealed to them, but it's only because of what God would do through Jesus to pay for their sins that God applied their faith looking forward to what Jesus would do. So could God do the same thing for someone in the other part of the world whose heart's truly seeking him, but they've never heard about Jesus? Yeah, I guess he could, but I don't know. And God hasn't told us. But here's something even more important. Don't judge God on how you think he'll judge someone who doesn't know. God wants everybody to know because otherwise we don't know that we don't stand under judgment. We're not condemned. We can, we can be free of all fear of death and condemnation through Jesus. And, and so let people know. And secondly, uh, if you do know what God's done through Jesus and yet you keep holding God at arm's distance, well, then you are rejecting God. And I think that's a very dangerous place to live. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. So this is shocking, but we've gone over time. I can't believe it. <laughs> But I'd like to end with just a 10-second challenge question. Here it is. Does Jesus laugh? Yeah. Yes. There we go. 10 seconds. He did it. He gave us our sense of humor. Perfect. He created us. You know, (laughs) God, God created everything you like. Everything you love. You know, so he is the giver of every good gift. And I think realizing that is what helps you not want to sin. Because sin never gives you what it promises, but God does. I love that answer. You got so close to the 10-second challenge. Just just missed it. 20. Just missed it. Okay, so obviously we had a lot of questions that we didn't get to. What do you say? Yeah, we're going to have questions at gatewaychurch.com. 
if you had a question that's super, super important to you exploring faith or you're just, you feel stuck and can't move forward without really understanding this, you can email us, but give us time. It might take a month, okay? Depending on how many we get and our, our pastoral staff will try to get to them. Let me uh, just wrap up saying this though. You know, um, after I had spent a year exploring faith, asking all my questions, um, I still didn't have all my questions answered. And you won't have all your questions answered either because we're not God. There's endless questions and we don't know all the answers and you never will. But you know, at the end of that year, I realized, but I do have enough answers about those central core things to believe that God really has revealed himself through the prophets and the Bible and ultimately through Jesus so that we could know him, so that we could love him, so that we would trust him that he really is good and he really wants to lead us into a life of love and joy and peace and, and goodness and help us grow up into truly more loving people. And I would say, you know, that's the most important thing is to determine that. Where am I at with Jesus? What have I determined about him? And, and to realize that he really has made it so simple. You know, heaven, relationship with God, it's a gift. You don't have to prove you're good enough. You don't have to get your moral act together. You don't have to jump through a bunch of religious hoops. You just have to turn your heart back to God and say, I want what Jesus did to count for me. I want your forgiveness and leadership. And then let me say too, if you have decided that, if you know that you're right with God, Remember, the point isn't just so you can be in heaven one day. The point is so that you would grow up to be a more mature, loving person who acts more like God. And so take that seriously. You know, this is the most important thing in eternity. Treat it that way. Seek him, seek his will before your own and trust him and watch how he'll take you on an adventure of faith that you'll look back and go, I couldn't believe, you know, how I got here, but I wouldn't trade it for the whole world. Yeah. Let me lead us in prayer. Please. God, thank you uh, that you love us so much that you came, you entered our world, but more importantly, you entered our suffering. You cared enough about us that you would take on all the hurt and evils that humanity can do to each other. You took it on yourself and you said, because you alone were sinless, that you had the right to pay the price we couldn't for our debts against God, our treason, our willfulness, our going our way and declaring God doesn't know what's best, I know what's best. And thank you, God, that you've made it so simple. A little child, someone with a low IQ, someone anywhere in the world can turn their heart back to you and just by a prayer of faith, be made right with you. And some of us today didn't realize that. And if that's you and you want to leave here knowing you're right with God, just tell him in your heart right now. I want your forgiveness. I want your leadership, God. Thank you that you paid for that for me in Jesus. It's all he needs. It's kind of like uh, any relationship. It's a simple I do. And that act of faith put you together with him like his adopted child forever and God we want to be people who not only just claim that we follow you but follow you truly wake up every morning saying God not my will today your will be done and help me learn and as we 
fall and fail, which we do a lot, God. Thank you that you do forgive us so that when we just admit it and turn back, we are already forgiven. But more importantly, you continue to walk with us to teach us. So, you know, we don't just keep falling down like little infants. We end up walking and then we end up running toward you and in love toward each other. We pray we'd be those kinds of people more and more in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we go, let's, let's sing to this God who, you know, the point of it all is that God wants to be with you through the highs and the lows, through the difficulties to help you overcome, to help you make it through the pains and the sufferings of this life. But they're not purposeless. They're meaningful because there's something on the other side that's going to be great. So would you stand and let's remember that as we sing together.